What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. Today, I had an amazing guest on the show. My man, Dre Baldwin, aka Dre All Day, joined me, and he is the creator of Work On Your Game. Now, I have this saying. I didn't, I didn't invent the saying, but I do say it frequently that game respects game or real recognizes real. And this conversation is the epitome of game recognizes game because Dre has an amazing origin story going from somebody who didn't play basketball until later in life to being able to play pro overseas and then turning his passion for the game into a business. And he was one of the early adopters of putting content on YouTube and creating an audience. And now he helps athletes, professionals, entrepreneurs, health-minded individuals to understand what they need to do to be successful. And that's about as simple as I can put it. We really got deep into the mindset, into the identity, into overcoming failure and setbacks. And, you know, Dre was somebody who didn't take no for an answer. It wasn't like he had scouts, you know, beating down the doors or agents beating down the doors to to offer him a deal. It was the work ethic. It was the commitment. It was the discipline. And now he is able to instill those same principles and personality traits into others. The work that he is doing is amazing. I'm glad that we connected. I'm glad that I can bring his wisdom and his gift to all of you. And what we would love to know is if you enjoy the episode, we want to hear about it. So the way that you can do that is you can take a screenshot and post it to your stories on Instagram. You can tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner, and you can try, you can tag Dre at Dre Baldwin. The other thing that you can do for me is subscribe and follow the show. That is one of the best ways to reach new people. And trust me when I tell you, you're going to, you're going to listen to this episode and you're going to say to yourself, man, there's a lot of people that need to hear this. So one of the ways that you can do that is by subscribing and following the show and by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Every week, if you leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, you are entered to a giveaway. The next episode, I will announce the winner. It's very simple to participate. Leave the five-star rating review, subscribe and follow the show wherever you listen, and let us know on Instagram if you appreciate this conversation. Now, without any further ado, enjoy the episode. What is going on, everyone? I am joined today by a very special guest. I have Dre Baldwin, who I just learned is is from Philadelphia. Hopefully, I didn't I didn't check I didn't fact check before we hit record. Are you an Eagles fan? Most importantly, yes. Okay, good. <laughs> All right, go Bird. So, um, Dre, yeah. thanks, thanks for joining me. I appreciate you coming on the show. Of course, thank you for having me on. I'm excited for this. Yeah, for sure. So um, I always love to start with kind of the origin story, just because I think it helps to provide a lot of context for where you are now and the things that you do. Uh, so what is the context that we need to understand about where you started uh, to paint the picture of where you are today? Sure. So I come from uh, from Philadelphia. I uh, just told you that I now live in South Florida. 
But background was always in the sports, you know, start playing basketball around age 14, which is pretty late for someone who wants to go somewhere in sports, you know, college, let alone pros. But uh, that was a situation. Only played one year high school ball, walked on and played at the D3 level in college, which is the third tier of sports. And then after college, you know, I wanted to play pro ball, but there was no I didn't have any prospects. Nobody was you no. Know, checking for me or calling my phone to get me to come play pro. So my first year out of college, I worked a couple of regular gigs. I worked at Foot Locker. I worked at Valley Total Fitness. Then a year removed from graduation, this is 2005 to get people a frame here, graduated in 04, 2005, was this event called an exposure camp, was for those who are, aren't in the sports world, that's basically a place where you pay money basically to go get yourself seen by people who can maybe help move your career forward. So I paid money, $250 in cash to go to this event. This is in Orlando, Florida. I still living in Philly at the time. So me and a couple of my teammates from college rented a car in Philly, drove from Philly to Orlando. It's about a 15 hour drive uh, Friday afternoon, hopped out the car 9 a.m. Saturday morning, the exact moment the camp began and started playing basketball. So uh, I tell people at age 23, I can get away with that. Probably couldn't do it now, but I did it then and uh, played pretty well over those two days and got a good scouting report, got good footage. Uh, didn't get signed to a contract on the spot, went back to Philly because I had to be back at work on Monday morning because the camp was Saturday, Sunday, back at work on Monday. And I started cold calling basketball agents and I found my first agent and we'll fill in the details of this, but my agent helped me get my first contract in Columbus, Lithuania in 2005. So that's how I got on uh, playing pro ball. Now, the footage from that exposure camp, Mike, was on this thing called a VHS tape. You remember those? Of course. Yeah, so it was on this VHS tape. And for the millennials listening to this, ask your parents or you Google it, they'll tell you what a VHS tape was. It's basically a video on a physical device. So I was mailing out physical copies of that VHS tape to agents to try to get my first deal because no websites for this didn't exist. But I took that footage by this point and I put it on this brand new website that said, hey, you can put as much footage up here for free as you want. It was called YouTube.com. And that's where I started basically a parallel career. Didn't know this one was going to be a career till years later, because at that time, you know, we weren't using phrases like social media, content, influencers. Those phrases didn't exist in 2005. So I was just putting I would put video up just for the basketball players, just so just the stuff I would practice and I would put it on YouTube. And then I noticed that ball players were looking at my footage and leaving comments like, hey, who taught you how to play? I could say they were intrigued. Uh, how often do you practice? Where do you play at? And they weren't looking for me. They were just looking for someone who could teach them how to play basketball. So I realized that these players were basically going to the Internet to crowdsource information on basketball, whereas people from our generation we kind of had to either you knew somebody or you didn't. I didn't know anybody. When I was growing up playing ball, I had to learn myself how to play ball. But these kids could go to the Internet and get information. And I was a person supplying information. So I realized, hey, if I just keep putting up my workouts. Maybe you know, I can be somebody that they, I'm a, a go to person. But who cared? You know, in 2005, who cares if you're a go to person on the Internet? You know, at that time, if you're making YouTube videos or blogging for a living, you're a bum living in your mom's basement who needs to you know, take a shower and get a real job. At that time, there was no there was no business opportunity there. There was no money to be made. But it wasn't until about 2009, Mike, uh, I found myself unemployed from basketball. I was a free agent waiting for my agent to call me like, hey, here's an opportunity. And I asked myself a really good question. How can I combine basketball with making money with having control over my career? Three things, basketball, money, control. And that's when I said, hey, I could take this Internet thing that I got going on. Again, we didn't have phrases like personal branding or any of that at that time. And 
how about I put more time into this? Because at this point, I have a website now. I have more fans who are watching me in these basketball videos. I, I would write. I've always been a writer. So I write about my experiences playing overseas and stuff like that because I played in about four or five places by that point. And when I started investing more into that at this time, this is also when Google had purchased YouTube. So now you can make money off ad revenue. And I just read Tim Ferriss's four hour work week and he floated this idea of here's how you can create your own product and sell it on the Internet. So then I did that and I started selling four dollar and ninety nine cent training programs to basketball players. That's how I became an entrepreneur. So at that point, that's when I said, well, look, if the phone never rings again, I never get another chance to play overseas. I'm OK because I can just do this. And I still didn't know anything about building a business. I knew absolutely nothing. I didn't know what a list was. I didn't know anything about marketing. I had never run an advertisement. It was just make a YouTube video, mention my website, and people go buy it. That's what I did for about four years. But the good thing is my phone did ring again. I kept playing pro ball till 2015. But by the time I stopped playing, and I'll stop my story here, we're filling the gaps here. But by the time I stopped playing in 2015, Mike already had an audience, already had a framework of what I was doing, already had people who didn't play ball who were watching me because I started talking about the mindset piece of the game because a lot of ball players asked about that. Why'd you keep you no know, believing in yourself when things weren't working? Uh, how'd you get yourself known on the internet? How did you sell yourself to get your first agent? You no, know, how'd you do these things? How do you get the confidence to perform in the game when you only get one chance? So when I started talking about those mindset pieces, people who didn't play sports started finding my material. So I knew I could serve people whether they play sports or not. So by 2015, when I stopped playing, I already had momentum going towards my business. So I wasn't starting at ground zero. And I've been doing that full time since then. So that's how we got here. I love the story. And you kind of mentioned the first question that I was going to ask you. You already mentioned it. You said you were getting a lot of questions like, how did you believe in yourself or why did you believe in yourself, especially coming in without mm -hmm. the experience? Like you, you started playing later in life and right. you know, didn't have, you know, D1 schools knocking down your door. So there was my curiosity is always, is it innate or was it or was it developed over time? And not just the belief, but the other thing that stood out to me was the work ethic. Like, you cold calling agents, you making it happen, you sending the VHS tape to make sure that your footage is getting seen. Like a lot of people just sit back and take a passive approach of, I hope I get the call. Whereas right. you're like, oh, I'm going to go proactive. I'm going to start making this happen. So those characteristics, those traits that you uh, developed, do you believe that they were developed or do you believe that was inherent in you uh, or innate in you? Great question. I would give it, I would Go to, I would default to the 80-20 principle. So it was about 20% innate, 80% developed. So uh, to answer your questions here, 20%, uh, I would have to give credit to my parents, my upbringing. They were not athletes. I'm six feet, four inches tall. My parents are, I think my dad's like five, nine. My mom's shorter than him. So they're not athletes, definitely not basketball. And they didn't know anything about sports, especially the pro world. But they taught, you know, do your chores, do your homework, you know, things like that, that everyday discipline. So when I started playing sports, I basically took the only thing that I had seen, which was the discipline of the stuff I got at home. And I applied that to the basketball and just coming to the park every day. Let me just keep practicing. Let me hope something works. Because, again, at this point, we're talking the mid 90s here. You're not there's no Instagram to go to to watch some guy who show you how to do workouts. I was just doing random stuff and hoping that it worked out. And I was lucky enough that it worked out. And when it came to the selling part, this was, I have to also give, I got to also give credit to my parents and my mother's an educator. So she had my sister and I, my sister's a year older than me. She's not an athlete either, but she had us um, reading and writing from a very young age. So I've always been into books. That's what, one of the reasons I became an author. 
And since I was so much into reading, I'm a type of person who, you know, back in the days, pre-Amazon, I would go to the bookstore and you know, browse the bookstore and find books that I like to read. I've always been a big reader. And I read uh, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was in college. I got introduced to that, actually, because um, I responded to one of those bulletin board um, postings about make unlimited income on the side. And it was actually network marketing. So I went to a couple of hotel meetings and they mentioned Robert Kiyosaki. That's how I found him. So it was there. It was Robert Kiyosaki. It was Napoleon Hill, uh, Jim Rohn, Brian Tracy, Tony Robbins. I never heard of these guys, but I started digging into their books and I realized, oh, there's a whole industry of people who just write about the way people think and the way you can make yourself think and how that leads to success that we all now know as personal development. I didn't know that was a thing, but when I found it, I said, this is me. Like that's this, I've always, I've always had an innate leaning towards that. I didn't know it was a thing and there was a whole industry around it. But when I found out, I said, oh, this is absolutely what I'm into. So reading Kiyosaki and just reading about sales. And I always loved the concept of selling. So even when I went to those hotel meetings for the network marketing and those guys would say, well, here's the thing about selling and being an entrepreneur is that it's the oldest profession in the world and it's the highest paying profession in the world. And I said, well, that sounds like something I want to do, something where there's no cap on my income. And they just explained this concept. And I mean, anybody who, even if you're not in network marketing, which I'm not, I didn't stay in it, but you understand the concept. You got to go out there and tell people about your thing. You got to sell your thing. If you don't tell anybody about it, you don't want, you won't make any money. So it's the same thing when I tried to play basketball. So that happened when I was in college. So when I graduated, I asked myself a question. How am I going to stand out amongst, you know, it's thousands of ball players who think they can play pro, but it's only hundreds of jobs, thousands of players, hundreds of jobs. How am I going to stand out? And I realized I just got to sell myself. Dre, you know how to sell yourself. And at this time I'm working at Bally Total Fitness. What am I doing? I'm selling gym memberships. So all, all I had to do was take that same sales approach. And how do I go out and sell myself? I said, all right, let me go find some agents. Cause I knew at this point, I had barely been out of the state of Pennsylvania, Mike. I'm trying to play overseas. I don't know anybody overseas. So who knows somebody overseas? And, and I got, this is just deductive reasoning. An agent knows people overseas. So I need to get with an agent. The agent will sell me to their friends overseas. And that's how I'll get on. So I just said, let me find these basketball agents. And what are the other players out there not doing that I'm going to do? And I know a lot of ball players. I know a lot of athletes, period. And generally speaking, I mean, a lot of people may be surprised to notice, but athletes are generally lazy. All right. There, we have a lot of energy when it comes to playing a sport, like get, get you on the court or the field. Yeah. They'll do the things, but all the other stuff that you have to do to make that work, especially if you're not a blue chip athlete, right, you got to do a whole lot of other, other stuff. I had to be an agent, a salesperson, a marketer, a business manager, and an athlete because I wasn't a D1 player. I wasn't coming out of. Um, Temple or St. Joe's or you no know, UM or Kentucky. I had to do all these things to get my opportunity. So I said, what can I do that these other guys are not going to do? People at my level who are trying to get those last jobs that are available. And that's when I started selling myself. I said, I know how to get on the phone. I don't have a problem getting on the phone. I don't have a problem pitching myself. I know how to use my words to sell myself. And that's what I started doing. So that's how I got on. And I had to do that over and over again in my career just because of my pedigree. My background was not like I had 10 teams offering me a deal. I had to go and make somebody pay attention. So, and I took that with me, not only through basketball, but now into what I do today. I mean, that's how we ended up having this conversation right here, right? 100%. Uh, mm -hmm. 
I think that was, you know, one of the things that stood out was, was your approach. And, and I mean, I get a ton of emails every day about people that want to come on the show. And uh, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm, I miss them. Sometimes they go in the junk folder, but uh, you're mm-hmm. stood out because it was a personal video. And I knew you took the time to record and, you know, it wasn't just a, Hey, I'm talking to anybody. You were mentioning my name. You were mentioning my show. You were ma- mentioning things about the podcast that were specific that you were like, I can add value to your audience, which uh, you have not disappointed thus far. So um, my question for you is when you, you had that comfort level, picking up the phone, you know, selling yourself, pitching yourself to be able to do that, you have to be real comfortable with uh, hearing no and, and failure. And we have a lot of people listening right now who need to sell themselves on making a change in their life. They're trying to get better in, you know, their, their fitness, their health. They want to make a change, whether it's physically, mentally in relationships. Uh, a lot of people just striving to, to level up who they are. And they often feel defeated by the failures, by the things that they've tried in the past that didn't work. Uh, what has been your relationship with failure and hearing no? And how have you been able to use that as as maybe a strength? And and what would you say to other people who are feeling a little bit paralyzed by the previous failures that they had that makes them think, um, can I even do this at all? Great question. Uh, great question. So many answers to that. So the first thing is we start with the mindset piece, Mike. And that's, I always tell people, mindset is the foundation of all success, the foundation of all failure. So it's having that mindset in place that the discipline, the confidence, the mental toughness of understanding that not everything's going to go the way that you want it to go. And in sales, anybody who's done any kind of sales training, you know what they say. If you're a, a baseball player and you're successful one out of every three times, you're in the Hall of Fame. Right. And in the sales world, every no is a one step closer to a yes. I mean, they're cliche, but they're based in truth. So that's the first thing is just understanding that that's the way that it goes. And the other piece is, um, there's a book called Principles by Ray Dalio. You familiar with it? Read it at all? Okay. So that book, Ray Dalio, one of the things that he talks about is once you are clear on what your process is and you know what your process is, as long as you follow your process every time and you know that this process is sound, then even if following the process ends up, you don't get the result. As long as you know you followed the right process, you know you you didn't do anything wrong. It's just like if you follow a faulty process and you end up succeeding, that doesn't mean you should do it over again because over time you're going to end up losing. So the most important thing for the people out there is make sure you're getting around the right experts, mentors, teachers, coaches who have a sound process. If you don't have one of your own and you don't these days, a good thing with the Internet is that you don't have to go through a whole bunch of trial and error like I did or like maybe you did or others did is that we can just plug into somebody else's process. They already the process is already proven. The work has already been done. The trial and error and the testing has already been done. All you have to do is plug in with someone who already has that. Then as long as you're following the process the right way, doesn't mean everything's going to work every time. But if you play the game long enough, you are going to come out on top more often than not. So it's just having the right principles in place of understanding how the game works. I knew I knew how to sell myself. I knew I knew how to you know, talk myself up. And once I had went to that exposure camp, just for example, using that as an example, I already had a third party saying good things about me and I had footage to prove that I was good. So I knew if I showed this to enough people, somebody's going to say yes. I knew that somebody's going to say yes. I just needed to make enough calls to make it happen. And I knew that most of the players who are, who were my contemporaries, they weren't doing it. So I knew I was going to get the opportunity they didn't get because I was willing to keep making those calls until something popped off. So that was that was my mindset when it came to sports. And when it comes to businesses, it's the exact same thing. I know how to 
talk about myself. I know how to sell myself. I know how to present myself. So I know if I make enough presentations, somebody's going to say, yes, it's just a matter of, I got to make enough presentations. Long as my process is clean and I know what I'm offering is good. It's just a matter of time. It's going to pop off. It's just a matter of getting my process clean so that that pipeline stays full. I want to take a brief pause with this conversation that we're having with Dre to tell you about Organifi. And the reason I need to tell you about Organifi is, as you can see from this conversation that we're having, it's important that you commit to yourself and you show up for yourself and you go to bat for yourself. Like Dre has been explaining through his journey, the ability to sell himself, to show up for himself, to make commitments to himself and follow through. To me, that all begins with the daily habits that you instill in your life. And there's no better way to get started than how you start your day, quite literally get started with how you start your day, and then also how you end your day. To me, the, those two moments really set the tone. So if, I'm, if I wake up in the morning and I immediately check my phone and I start scrolling Instagram, I'm setting myself up for failure. But if I, if I wake up, and I'm not saying you need to have an elaborate morning routine, but I do believe that it's important that the first thing we do is a positive health promoting behavior. So the first thing I do in the morning is the first thing I put in my body in the morning is some lemon water. And then I mix up some Organifi green juice. And the reason for that is it starts my day with a positive habit. It helps me to make sure I'm getting the micronutrients, the vitamins and minerals that my body needs so I can perform my best, so I can show up for myself, so I can keep the commitments that I make to myself. Because if I feel better internally, I'm going to show that externally. Organifi green juice is my favorite way. I get the crisp apple flavor. It is absolutely delicious. I'm telling you, try it. And I've, I've tried pretty much every greens powder there is because I knew that I was not the best at getting in a variety of vegetables. So I knew that the insurance policy that I wanted was a greens powder. And everyone that I tried, I could never handle the taste, but Organifi green juice, crisp apple is absolutely delicious. Their regular flavor is good as well. But to me, the crisp apple is the best. And then I end my day with some Organifi gold juice. It is the perfect way to kind of tell your brain that we're done eating for the day and also to start that wind down routine. It also gives you a little bit of a sweet like dessert flavor. Uh, what I do is I take some almond milk or coconut milk and I heat it up for like a minute and a half. And then I mix in the Organifi gold juice. I do the chocolate flavor. And then Typically, I'll add a little True Whip, although right now I'm not doing that because I'm on a gut healing protocol, but I still have my gold juice to end the day. I just don't use the True Whip. Those two things have been a game changer for me with having quality habits, starting my day with a quality habit, ending my day with a quality habit. It has helped how I show up for myself, keeping the commitments that I make to myself, and just establishing a better routine that is health-focused that carries the momentum throughout the day and then into the following day. So we've got you hooked up with 20% off Organifi, all of their products. Uh, you can go to Organifi.com slash PopFam. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash P-O-P-F-A-M and get yourself 20% off. Use code PopFam at checkout. You get 20% off all of their products. You will be blown away at the quality of ingredients the fact that nothing is fake, nothing is filler, nothing is artificial. It is quality ingredients, the best of the best stuff. I use it personally. That's the only way that you'll ever 
hear me talk about something on this show is if I personally use it and stand behind it. So you have my word that when you invest in Organifi and get their products, you are making a quality investment in yourself. You are putting the best ingredients in your body to feel your best, to perform your best, and to add that little bit of a health-promoting start to your day and end to your day. Give it a try. Tell me that I'm right. I like to hear that I'm right. So go to Organifi.com slash PopFam. Use code PopFam at checkout for 20% off. And now let's get back to the conversation with Dre Baldwin. You mentioned, you know, some of the early inspiration that you had in the personal development space before we knew, you know, we really had personal development as a thing. But, uh, you know, you mentioned some names uh, from from books that you were reading, you know, Tony Robbins, Jim Rohn, uh, Robert Kawasaki, like all these people that had an influence on you. What, What were some of the things that you extracted in that personal development space that you then uh, kind of filtered through your own thought process and, and then develop your own principles, if that makes sense. Like what, what were some of the, the outcomes from that that allowed you to then create your own framework for personal development and personal growth? Great question. Uh, so the first one was when I saw the title of the book, Think and Grow Rich, uh, Napoleon Hill. And when I saw the title of that book, it was a light bulb moment because I said, wait a minute, there's there's actually a process to thinking a certain way and it leads to certain outcomes, tangible outcomes in life. And when I saw that title and I knew that, that was a popular book because a lot of people were talking about it, I had never heard of it. At this point, I'm maybe 21 years of age. And I said, okay, that's a real thing because I always had just something in my mind that I knew I thought differently than most of my peers. And I ha- always had somewhat of a, a seed of a belief that thinking a certain way does lead to certain outcomes because the, the bridge between your thoughts and your outcomes are your actions, right? And thoughts lead to actions, actions lead to habits, habits to character and results. And when I saw that, I said, okay, this is a real thing. So that was the first thing was just the, ver- the confirmation that thinking a certain way does lead to certain outcomes. And then uh, when I read my favorite book, which is Robert Greene's 48 Laws of Power, I'm sure you're uh, familiar with Robert as well, just reading that book and then reading uh, people like Tony Robbins and getting more into personal development. I said, okay, this is a this is a real thing. And then just looking at my own life to answer your question, the ball players who were following me on YouTube, the basketball videos I was putting out back in the days, they don't do that anymore, but back in the days, the ball players would just say, well, Dre, you know, what kept you coming to the gym every day to work out when I was even putting the videos on YouTube? Because mind you, from 2005 to 2009, there's no money to be made from putting content on the Internet. So why do it? So the players would just ask me, why are you doing this? And then they would. And the answer was, well, I go to the gym every day anyway. So if this can help you all and I can pay it forward, why not? And probably a little bit of ego. I mean, I'm, I get to be a name on the Internet, even though there was nothing to it. Not, didn't matter. Then the second thing was, how do you get the confidence to go out there and perform? Because people got to understand about the sports world is that you talk about a tryout or a workout or an exposure camp. A basketball tryouts in high school is one day. Uh, you might practice all year. You get one day. If you play bad that one day, it doesn't matter what you did all year. You go to an exposure camp. I paid money to go to that exposure camp. Drove 15 hours. Had to negotiate to get two days off, three days off to go, even go to the camp from my job. If I didn't play good during that two days, nobody cared what I did the previous 23 years. The only thing that mattered was that two days. How do you show up during that two days and perform the way that you're supposed to perform? Some people look at that as pressure. Others look at it as an opportunity. How was your mind conditioned to deal with that situation? The, that third one was mental toughness. 
things don't always go the way that you want them to go in life. It's inevitable you're going to face setbacks. It's inevitable somebody's going to do something that you didn't want them to do or do something that you something they're not going to do something that you wanted them to do. How do you deal with the inevitable setbacks that happen in life? And do you look at that as a reason to do you look at a reason to feel despair and woe is me and you no know, disappointed? Or do you look at it as a reason to kind of uh, double up on your belief and come back even stronger from that situation that you face? I think that right there, Mike, to answer your previous question, I think a little bit of that is your wiring, your internal wiring. And I'm a competitor. So and the com- competition for me was not a person. The competition was a situation. And whenever I faced a situation that wasn't going the way that I wanted it to go, the competitor in me got activated and I looked for a way to fight back against that situation. And that is definitely my wiring. That was not something that was taught to me. That's just something that has always been in me. And that was the mental toughness piece. And that's probably the one that of all the things that I talk about, the one that I think has been most eye opening to a lot of people when I talk about that mental toughness piece and just the way that I think of look, we can't look at this situation as some reason to feel despair and feel down about yourself, but a reason to fight back. Are you going to fight back from the situation or are you going to let the situation beat you down? And then the last one is the initiative. How do you take all this stuff? Because the the great thing about the Internet is you can access any piece of information. Uh, the the bad thing about the internet is you can access any piece of information and people become what I call uh, pigs, professional information gatherers. As you can say, you can listen to podcasts all day. All right. You can read books literally all day. You could be on Instagram. If you keep scrolling, it will just keep going. It will never end. And you could take in information all day. But at what point do you actually put it to use? That's the initiative. How do you actually go and do something with it? And all of those pieces were things that I had to do in my own life. So when I started talking about those things, Again, this is just all stuff that was in my head. So I figured this is the way everybody thought. I think anybody who wants to be successful, I figure everybody thought like this. So when I started talking about it, it wasn't really a big deal to me. And when I saw the way people were responding to it, I said, oh, people people don't think like this. Not everybody doesn't look at things this way. So I started doing these videos on on YouTube. In addition to the basketball stuff, I started making this video every Monday. I called it the weekly motivation. And I just said, I remember I did the first one probably around 2009, 2010. And I said to the people who are watching me on YouTube, because at this point, this is just basketball players. I said, I'm going to do this video every Monday. And if y'all want me to keep doing these, you got to let me know. And I'm just to talk about a little mindset piece, just a little two to four minute selfie video. And if y'all like these, I'll keep doing them. And people said, yeah, Jerry, keep doing it, keep doing it. And I did the weekly motivation, Mike, every Monday for 400 Mondays in a row. And that became the foundation of what I do now, because that's where people who didn't play basketball started finding me was through those videos. It wasn't the basketball stuff. It's clearly, I mean, if you're not trying to do the, do the Kobe move, you're not watching me. But when I started doing the, the weekly motivation, people who didn't play ball started saying, look, my son watches your videos, but I heard him watching one of your mindset videos and I started paying attention. And that's when I, the light bulb went off in my head. Oh, wait, people who don't play ball can learn from this. So the, the second thing, this is the second time that that happened where I noticed People were getting value from something that I was doing just randomly. And I said, oh, there's an opportunity here. Let me jump on that. And I did it first with the ball players, and secondly, with the non-ball players. And had I not taken that initiative, then again, all of this, all the rest of this stuff wouldn't have happened. So it's also just keeping your eyes open, your ears open, and paying attention to where those opportunities are because they're there, but you got to notice them. There's so many questions that popped up. And and the direction I'm going to go is motivation because this is something I have a we'll call it a, a sticky relationship with where it, it, 
I've been called motivating before. People will say, oh, I love listening to your show. It's so motivating. You know, your post the other day motivated me. And I'm like, ah, I, I know you mean that as a compliment, <laughs> but I don't know how I feel about that. Right. So, and the reason is because I think it's great to motivate somebody to do something. My problem is, am I really motivating you to take action? And if I am, are you mm -hmm. only taking action because you're motivated? What happens when that emotion fades? As we know that it does, motivation is, is fleeting. It doesn't last forever. So if we're only relying on that temporary emotion, we're setting ourselves up for failure. What I want is for you to take action regardless of what emotional state you're in. Uh, so can you talk about that? Like the, the concept of motivation with the understanding that we need to get ourselves to, to be disciplined, to show up 400 Monday. I'm sure there were plenty of Mondays in that 400 in a row that you didn't want to record a video, that you weren't motivated to get on and do the selfie video. Um, can you talk mm -hmm. about that balance of motivation versus discipline and taking action regardless of how you're feeling that day? Absolutely. Uh, and what I tell people these days, motivation is for amateurs, even though I call my video the weekly motivation. Uh, even to this very day, I send out a daily text message. I call it the daily motivation. I call it the motivation because people get it. Right? It's, a, it's a selling point to call it the motivation, but I'm not really trying to just motivate you because as you just said, Mike, the motivation goes away. So if you're depending on motivation, you got a problem. Because there's going to be a day you're not motivated, then what do you do? And you know, even back in the ball playing days, I would get athletes who would reach out to me and say, "Well, Dre, um, I want to be good at basketball, but some days I don't feel like working out. Can you give me a motive? Can you give me? Can you tell me something to motivate me to work out?" And I would say to them, "No, because if you need me to motivate you to work out, what are you going to do next week when you need motivation? You going to call me again? All right, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not here for that. So if you're not motivated to play, don't play. Go do something else in which you don't need motivation. Right? You don't have to play basketball, right? So." And, and that applies to anybody. Swap out basketball, swap in, run a business, swap in, have a podcast, swap in, write a book. All right. You don't have to do these things. If you're not motivated to do it or you don't feel the inner drive to do it, whatever words you want to use, you're doing the wrong thing. You need to find the right, find a job in which you do want to show up every day. And what I tell people is, you know, motivation is for amateurs because a professional, what makes somebody a professional the dictionary definition is something that you do as your main paid occupation. All right, that's the main thing you do to make money. But what makes somebody a professional, the reason you get paid to do something is because you do it consistently. And the, the work on your game definition that goes with the dictionary one is that a professional is a person who shows up every single time and delivers regardless of how they feel. That's what makes you a professional. It doesn't matter how you feel. There are times, Mike, I'm sure you don't feel like turning on this mic, but you still do what you have to do. There are times people don't feel like going to the gym, but if it's what you do as your main paid occupation, you have clients you got to show up. If you're a coach, if you're a speaker, if you're an author, if you're a fill in the blank, a school teacher, a parent, are there times you don't feel like doing that job, but you still have to do the job because that is what that's your main thing. You have to show up and do the job. And that's the reason why you get paid, because you show up even when you don't feel like it. So what makes you a professional is not you no know, putting on a suit or nice shoes or having a corner office or a job title, same way that putting on a pair of Jordans doesn't make you a basketball player, right? It's the fact that you show up every time and you get the job done. And what helps you get that job done is the professionalism. And professionalism is that uh, showing up consistently. And that's the drive that comes from discipline. And one of my principles is called the third day. The discipline principle is called the third day. Day one is, is like somebody coming to the gym, right? They decide they're going to work out. They want to lose weight. I'm sure you've had people you work with in this space. They want to lose weight. Somebody, let's say um, they're getting married in six months. 
All right. So they come to you, Mike, I'm getting married in six months. I want to lose 20 pounds. So I'll look great in my wedding dress. First day, they feel great, right? They show up to the gym. They hired you. They already paid you for a 20 pack of sessions. They're going to do all the stuff. They're ready. They got new training. They got new workout gear from Google Mine. They got the new sneakers, all of that. First day, I mean, they get their ass kicked because they're not in shape, but they feel good. No, this is a new me. I'm going to do this. I'm getting married. I'm excited. They drag themselves home, look in the mirror and say, I'm doing this. Second day, they're a little bit sore. I mean, half of their body is sore because they haven't worked out in a while. They're not in shape. And they know that this next workout is going to be tough too, but it's still a new thing. It still has that new car smell, that situation. And the second workout, the other half of their body is now sore, but they drag themselves home the second day with a little bit less enthusiasm, but they're still enthusiastic. Hey, I'm doing this. By the third day, all right, getting out of bed, uh, their body sounds like they're making a bag of microwave popcorn. All right, everybody knows that sounds like that microwave popcorn. They got aches and soreness in places that they don't even know they could be sore. All right, they walk into the gym, that smiling person at the front desk, they don't even want to look at that person because they're not feeling that energy. They don't want to hit a trainer's mouth that day. By that third day, your discipline is kind of reintroducing itself to you or your lack of discipline. On that third day, that's when we find out who's serious because on that third day, uh, you don't feel excited. You are no longer motivated. And the third day is when you realize that, okay, this is not all fun and games. This is not one big party. This is actually going to be some work. This is actually going to take some discipline. This is actually going to take some mental toughness from me. Am I, am I really serious about doing this? That's when we find out who the professionals are and who the amateurs are. It's kind of like, um, I mean, you asked me about the Eagles. So we're recording this in it's January, right? So at the beginning of the year, this first month of the year, you got a lot of people in the gym you've never seen before. Like, who's that? No, you've never seen these people. But by around spring break, by about St. Patrick's Day, it'll be the same people who were there before. All right. Simply because people, that discipline that they don't have, it shows itself and it goes right back to being how it was before. And that's what the third day is about. How do you continually show up even when you don't feel like it? And when you were talking about the the concept of a professional, it was like the light bulb went off because I've been talking a lot about the, the identity shift that needs to happen for somebody like use the parenting reference and mm -hmm. parents show up no matter what, they don't always feel motivated to, you know, show up for their kids or, or parent the way that they think they're supposed to, but they do it because they identify as a parent. Mm -hmm. And as you were starting to say that, I'm like, man, that, that kind of paints a clear picture of if I don't identify as that professional, as somebody who does go to the gym, no matter what, who's somebody who, uh, you know, eats well because of how it makes me feel. And, uh, you know, I'm still identifying as the person that, that would rather get takeout or would rather, you know, go out to, to the drive through or whatever it may be. Um, it's going to be really difficult to show up without motivation. I think that's where the disconnect happens. How much do you think that is about reframing who you believe you are internally? Like the, the identity of, a professional who this is just what I do, even if I'm not getting paid for it. But in a way, it's, you know, I am identifying as a healthy person so I can follow through on these healthy behaviors, even when motivation is absent. Yeah, that's a great question. And, and that just goes to the be, do, have principle, right? So in order to have a specific outcome, everybody understands the certain things you need to do. But a question many people never ask themselves is the one you just brought up is what type of person do I need to be? And how do I shift my identity and change how I see myself? Because when you change how you see yourself, the actions come automatically. And this is why I said earlier that mindset's the foundation of the success is the foundation of the failure, because you can kind of force somebody to take actions that they don't normally take. But if they don't change the way that they see themselves, as soon as you go away, they'll go right back to doing the same stuff they were doing before. That's why the mindset shift matters so much. And this mentality matters so much. 
uh, the challenge for people, and this will be an existential challenge, it will always be a challenge, is that a lot of people don't value mindset because you can't see it, right? You can only see actions. So people understand actions, but if you don't change the underlying mindset that follows those actions, people will only do actions temporarily as long as it feels good. But as soon as it doesn't feel good anymore, because their mindset hasn't changed, the way they see themselves hasn't changed, they will go back to doing the things they were doing before. And this is why a lot of people get temporary outcomes, but then they go right back to what they got before because they can only understand the outcome, the goal, and the action, the doing, because we can see they're, they're tangible, but people can't see the mentality. The mentality is what drives all of that stuff. And this is why you know, we have the personal development section in the bookstore. This is why you have so many people who talk about mindset. I mean, anybody who's in the space of coaching or any type of development, personal or professional, mindset has to be a piece of what we do. Because if you don't change the mindset of your clients, it doesn't matter what you make them do because they're going to go, they're going to revert right back to who they were before as soon as you're not around anymore. So that mindset piece matters a ton. And this is why mindset matters so much. So everybody out there needs to, it's not a matter of if you're going to change your mindset, it's just a matter of who you want to get it from, where you want to get it from, but you need it. It's It's infinitely more important than the actions that you take. And a lot of people don't understand that. But that's why uh, mindset matters so much. And this is why no matter whether you're podcasting, you're in fitness, you're in uh, money making, you're in relationships, you're in basketball. Mindset is a foundational piece of everything that all of us do. If we're helping people create a personal transformation, the transformation is the mindset, is the being, is not the actions and is not the outcome. It's the being. And if that transformation doesn't happen, I can make you do anything. But as soon as I'm, I go away, you're going to go right back to who you were before. Man, it's, it's so profound. And and you're kind of bringing up a point for me where you talk about, he talked about being uh, comfortable with sales and always being good at sales. And um, I always make a joke that I'm the worst salesman in the world because I sell mindset like that. I, I'm telling right. people like, if you want a quick fix, if you want to lose 20 pounds in six weeks, um, you know, go find somebody else. Like what we're going to do here is we're going to work on your mindset, your identity, your behaviors, your habits, your lifestyle. We're going to talk about the dynamics of your life and the people that you're surrounding yourself with. And, and if that's not the game that you want to play, then that's cool. But, you know, that's the game that we play. So uh, I'm sure that there's somebody that would love to take your money to promise you 20 pounds in six weeks. But that's not me. So I always make the joke that, you know, I'm the worst salesman because I sell mindset and it's not all that appealing. People want the outcome to your point. Uh, if, if you put, you know, two headlines next to each other and one says, Hey, we're going to take a long time to develop your identity and your behaviors and your habits and your lifestyle. And there's another headline that says, we're going to help you lose 20 pounds in six weeks. There, most people are going to choose the 20 pounds in six weeks. Uh, right. from, from your perspective, how do we tell people what they want, give them what they need, or how do we bring people into, uh, attached to the fact that they do need the mindset piece, that that is what they should be looking for uh, when, you know, they have that dopamine hit, when they hear that that quick fix promise. Uh, how do we help people just overcome that that gap? I would say, Mike, uh, sell the outcome and then give them the pieces that they need. So what the metaphor that I use to people is it's kind of like um, you ever had a dog? You ever owned a dog? I have two dogs. Now I've always had dogs. Yeah. Okay, great. So, you know, when you have to give a dog medicine, right? How do you give it to him? And some peanut butter. <laughs> exactly. So that's the same thing you got to do with humans. All right. So I'm not saying humans are dogs, not in always, but in this way, we are like dogs in that with most people, I mean, there's a small percentage of people, maybe about 2% who are genuinely, genu genuinely ambitious. 
to where you could tell them what you just said, Mike, like we're going to take 20 weeks and we're going to go over the mindset and it's going to be an excruciating process. And we're going to take out all the stuff that's wrong and we're going to install the stuff that's good. And they're excited about it. 98% of people don't want to hear that. Right. So they're like the dog. Right? You can't go to your dog and say, I'm going to give you some medicine. It's not really going to taste good, but you need it. It's going to help you stay alive longer. The dog doesn't want to hear that. But if you say to the dog, hey, I got some peanut butter, they'll take that. And then you trick them by mixing the medicine in with the peanut butter. It's the same thing you got to do with humans. So you sell them the outcome. Hey, this is the thing that you're going to get. You're going to lose 20 pounds in six weeks. But in the process, you got to give them the vegetables, right? So you got to give them the vegetables and you got to mix that in with the meal. And that way they end up getting the outcome that they want it. They get the thing that they want it, but at the same time, you give them what they need. And a lot of people won't sign up for the things that they need, but they will sign up for the things that they want. So the biggest thing is you really kind of just got to you got to uh, wave the the shiny object in front of them. And then when they come get the shiny object, you get them all the all the vegetables. That, yeah. But most people won't sign up for that. No, I love that. I love that analogy. What's uh? you, you mentioned a lot of your principles and your frameworks. What is the outcome uh, for somebody that's working with you? What's the outcome that you're that you're delivering to your clients? Great question. So if I'm working with someone who's in the the professional world, the business world, number one, it's stepping up their level of performance, like what outcomes they're helping people deliver. So often with uh, the professional world is just money. People want to make more money. That's usually the main thing people are looking for. And that's that's the shiny object. Uh, We want to make more money. But in order to do that, we got to make sure we get the mindset in place. We got to put the right strategies in place. We got to get a system to execute the strategy. And then you have to be executing on that system in the right way. Those are the things they need. But what people are usually looking for is I want to make more money. So usually it's really that simple. Money is the peanut butter. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Um, how can people uh, learn more about like everything that you're doing? Uh, and I know you've you got a ton of books. You've uh, you yeah. got some courses. Uh, just just give everybody opportunity to stay connected with you and and just stay informed on all the things that you have going on. Yeah, now that you actually had me mention it, I'll tell people about this book. The third day, I was just talking about this when it comes to discipline, the decision that separates the pros from the amateurs. How do you show up on that third day after you signed up for that that new trainer? You signed up for the gym. How do you show up on that day when you realize that it's not all fun and games anymore and you're actually going to have need some grit and some mental toughness to make it through this process? That is this book right here is my latest book. Again, it's called The Decision that Separates the Pros from the Amateurs. I'll give everybody a free copy of this book, physical book. I'll mail it to your doorstep. All you do is cover the shipping. Just go to thirddaybook.com and that's spelled out thirddaybook.com. The book's free. Just cover the shipping. Awesome. And I will make sure to post all of that in the show notes so everybody can grab a copy of that. I'm going to have to grab a copy yeah. myself for sure. And then uh, can anybody uh, follow you on social if they want to connect with you? Uh, where's the best place to do that? No, definitely Instagram. I use the stories function a lot. So my Instagram is just my name, Dre Baldwin. So I'm on there every day. I'm on every social platform. I use all of them. But uh, yeah, Instagram is probably the one I'm most active is because of the stories. All right, cool. And I'm going to leave you with with one question before we go. Uh, yeah. I want to I want to bring you back because I'm an athlete and and I have to live vicariously because I wasn't gifted enough to play professional ball. Um, I'm only five ten. I can shoot the ball really well. But that was about as far as it went. And uh, so I want to I want to relive. What was your highlight playing professional ball overseas? What was your best moment in any game if you had to pinpoint one? Oh, good question. That was probably when I was in. I'll give two. One was in, I was in Mexico. That was earlier in my career. It's probably about 2006. So in Mexico, the way the ball is, is um, 
is more open style. It's kind of like a kind of like pickup basketball almost, where the biggest thing is to score all the points. If you're an American player, they expect you to score a bunch of points. If you don't score, they think you're not good. But if you score a bunch of points, you're like a celebrity. Your team could lose the game by 20, but if you had 30 points, you're like a superstar. So there, because all I did was just shoot the ball every time. And what player doesn't like that? So I just shot every time in Mexico. But then the other place in Europe, the rest of my career was in Europe, was probably playing in Montenegro. That was in 2008. And the great thing about Montenegro, we played a game once a week, every Saturday. And, but we would practice Monday through Friday, twice a day. So it was 10 practices for every one game. And that was how it was the whole season. And the thing is, we practiced so much and all we did was shoot, shoot, just shooting drills. So many shooting drills. I was like automatic at, at that point. I was like Steph Curry or Ray Allen at that time. Cause that's all we did was shooting. And I remember one game and the coach would never would start me. I would never be a starter, even though I was the best player on the team by far. I would not start in the games. And in Europe, is like that. Like the, the rotations are funny. And sometimes you might not even play in the first half of the game, even though you're the most talented player on the roster and the team's losing. But anyway, I get in the game one time. We're on the road. We're losing by 20 points in the second quarter. I'm just now getting in the game. But I didn't miss a shot that whole game. I made every single shot. And I remember, and we ended up losing the game. I didn't finish the game. I didn't start the game. We lost by like 20 anyway. But um, I remember the footage from that game. I used that as my highlight tape for the rest of my career. So that helped me get more jobs. So I got to be thankful for that. (laughs) That's great. I love it. Um, I appreciate your time and your wisdom. Uh, This has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, Yeah, I'm going to drop everything in the show notes so everyone can grab your book and stay connected with you. And uh, we'll chat very soon. All right. Great stuff, Mike. Thank you for the opportunity.